their partnership. <laughs> it's a clip, Bob. Hi, are you sure? Was created in the factory. Promise you'll look after Tommy Boy here till he gets his feet wet. Time out. Bad idea. Forged on the interstate. Ugh, I can actually hear you getting fatter. And road tested all the way to Detroit. Yeah, Chris Farley. The salesman has left the building. Oh. David Spade. Tommy Boy. It looks real. <laughs> Rated PG-13. In a world where laughter was king on the edge of space. Ludicrous speed! Go! We get together, have a few laughs. Masters of the universe! Welcome back, everybody, to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ron Avis, but you can call me the Rental King, my friends. Go ahead. Call me that. Yeah, do it. Do it now. <laughs> and it wouldn't be a show unless I had my most excellent host to the north. Uh, in, when I say north, I actually mean Sandusky, Ohio. Sandusky, Sandusky Ohio. His, Sandusky's second most famous prodigal son, uh, who else do I have with me on this podcast right now? That would be me, Adam Peterson. <laughs> and if I'm drinking... That means I might know some things. You might know a few things. And I have had a few a few beverages. Um, just to pull pull the curtain back a little bit, we, we, were, we had talked about starting at a certain time, and you had a rad dad emergency. And you're like, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be like 30 or so minutes later than we said we would meet and start. And I was like, that's fine. I can get a few, I can get a few drinks in me. That just between, means, yeah. that's, that means you can start the party a little sooner. <laughs> I have a little more prep time. Yeah. Quote unquote prep time. It was a good and thing since, I knew some things already because otherwise I'd yeah. be at a complete disadvantage. Oh God. Thank you so much for knowing things. Cause I never bring anything to the table. <laughs> that's entirely untrue. Entirely. I got two turntables and a microphone. And that's all I got. All Baby, that's all you need. Yeah, uh, and it's it's been a few weeks since uh, we had a show. Uh, I, I, I it seems like what we our our routine now is let's pick a in a month we'll have a theme, and I love that. I love doing that because it gives us we're not we're not under the pressure of pulling out like a, a podcast every week, and we have a little time to breathe. Yeah, and. And it gives us like we we have themes now we have some themes that we've thought out ahead we we have themes in the bank we so got like them we for days we got them stacks saved. on stacks on stacks baby <laughs> we do <laughs> but for April this if if you're listening to this as a new episode you're going to be listening to this sometime in April I hope uh, and April first is fools uh, April fools and what we thought would be fun is we're going to do a month of podcast of some of our favorite fools in movies. And if you read the title of this episode, you know we're doing Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. Chris Farley, one of the best. I mean, as far as comedies go and 90s comedies go, this is quintessential 90s comedy. Oh, this is this is up there. This is, you know, in the upper echelon of, uh, of 90s comedies. Yes. When they, SNL that, was dominating. Oh yes, and it, it is so. It so strictly abides by that formulaic, like 
early to mid nineties, yes. Lorne Michaels produced SNL comedy. Like it, it, it's like watching Wayne's World, but it's on autopilot now. And yeah. it's just you have it is. It's oh, I, I just remember like watching it because I rewatched it. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a little while. I rewatched it in preparation for the show, and I just couldn't help but think like I miss movies like this. I really yeah. do. Like Coneheads, Wayne's World, uh, Tommy Boy, like just. You, you could always count on whatever cast member, like, they didn't even have to be, like, the lead cast member. Like, this, there was going to be a comedy starring one of the cast members, and sometimes yeah. it was, sometimes it was a, a vehicle, uh, like, of a, of a character. You know, we've talked about many, many times before, such as Wayne's World, such as uh, the Coneheads, such as, you know, many other characters that got the movie treatment but th- this is completely original but you know you have david spade and chris farley who are you know for for i mean i i always got the sense that they were good pals you know they they certainly benefited from one another's talents oh yeah um, david spade being like an excellent writer and a you know a good performer but chris farley was like the tour de force you know performers performer get get out of the way just point a point a camera at the dude you know he doesn't know what he's gonna do you don't know what he's gonna do but it's gonna be gold he's and a big ball of excitement it's just waiting to see what's gonna happen and then for my money this is the best chris farley movie yes uh you know there there are a lot of like little roles that chris farley would show up in 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 certain movies that i get a big kick out of and they make me laugh and they're awesome but this is really the only movie where like the for the entire length of the film he's a star and it works for me and i'm not kind of exhausted watching him in a movie <laughs> yeah this this one really because I, I i i'm meant to uh watch more because he's he's in i mean he's really i mean chris farley when you think about the length of his career it was not I mean, he was clearly he died young, uh, yeah. Just like you know, John Belushi, um, and even uh, you know, John Candy was a little bit older than the two of them when he passed. But same kind of thing it was one of those guys that was just taken too soon, and part of it was the lifestyle. But he, I mean, even when you add in the the small roles that he had in Wayne's World, Wayne's World Two. I mean, he died just a couple of years after this movie came out. Yeah, it, I mean, he, he 90, died right at the end of '97. Yeah, it's like this was this was uh, Tommy Boy was released uh, appropriately so three thirty one ninety five so right I mean right around this mm. time uh, mm. twenty six years ago um, yeah yeah and uh, wow so Oof. and then Dirty Work was his last uh, movie that came that one came out I think at the beginning of ninety eight but yeah it was like I mean it was yeah. just a couple years after he really started I think it was ninety two I thought that movie with Matthew Perry was his last theatrical movie. Was it not? Uh, Almost Heroes. Uh, th- I think they both came. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think uh, IMDb lists uh, Dirty Work as, okay. His last, oh, okay. as okay. his last one, but they both came out in 98, so it may just be okay. splitting hairs gotcha. as far. That was, uh, Almost Heroes was clearly his last feature film because he really only had a small role in Dirty Work. Um, right. And right. Uh, I watched, but amazing. I love him oh, in Dirty Work. <laughs> between Way, the two, Dirty Work uh, was much better than Almost Heroes. Oh, Whoa, God, it's not even a contest. Like, I, I don't even know if I've seen all of uh, Almost Heroes. And I, 
I've, I think I have, but I just don't remember any I of it. I rewatched it last night, and it's... Oh. it. I mean, it has its moments where you're laughing because it's Chris Farley, but it's like, as a movie, just the concept of like, oh, what if we had another pair of guys that was going up against Lewis and Clark? It's like, yeah, because there's a lot of people just generally <laughs> interested in the Lewis and Clark expedition. Like, what if we use yeah. that as a yeah. story? No. Let's Whatever. Not. Yeah, whatever, I guess. I mean... As 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 human beings, we haven't been. I mean, like exploring new frontiers is just not a thing anyone does anymore, really. No, and not was, on our planet, anyway. It was it was one of those things that was really it uh, it suffered, you know, because Matthew Perry, Matthew Perry, if you had just regular Matthew Perry, is a comedian very similar to David Spade, but they kind of neutered the character uh, that Matthew Perry played in, in Almost Heroes. Because yeah, he wasn't a, a witty, sarcastic kind of guy. He was supposed to be this, you know, hoity-toity, you know, affluent guy who was who was more, yeah. uh, you know, he was. Yeah, I could he, see him playing like an affluent character. I yeah. could totally see him doing. And that. so, yeah, I mean, it, it works for what they're doing, but it's kind of like when you go Tommy Boy, and you have that, um, you have that uh, kind of. There's there's a bond, but there's also a contention between Chris Farley and David Spade, where yeah. Farley is the physical presence and Spade is the the witty, the 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 more cerebral presence, and yeah. they go off of each other in that respect. Uh, Black Sheep, I feel like kind of like I rewatched Black Sheep too, and I, I enjoyed it probably more than the last couple times that I watched it because I yeah, you know, watching it after Farley's gone and, and missing him. And seeing yeah. him and Spade together was was really more sweet than anything. But the comedy I think suffers because they had more of a convivial relationship where they're you know they're friends. They're you know like they fight a little bit, but they're more friendly towards each other. When you know you, you have uh, Richard and Tommy in Tommy Boy, Richard is clearly you know until towards the end when they when they become friends, which is nice. They're I mean they don't like each other, and that really works for the comedy. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, and it's funny because Tommy in the movie really seems to really want a brother, and he gets that sort of brother uh, in the Rob Lowe character. Yes, or at least he's introduced as him as a brother, and he, you see how, you know, so how how excited he is to have that brother, where he even says like, "I always wanted a brother." David Spade to him is really more like a brother. He he's like yes. that older brother who. Um, the parents just sort of heap all of the response. Like he's always been a responsible yes. person. He he's not the the you know the fun one to hang out with, but he's the reliable one and the one you take for granted. And uh, you know, like all throughout the film, Big Tom clearly, well, Big Tom clearly clear. He, he cares for all of his employees. You see that throughout yeah. the, the early part of the film, but you know. He he lets Richard get a, like there's a part in the movie where he makes a joke at his expense and he doesn't go off like he doesn't go crazy yeah. because if he calls him fat, you know he just he just kind of like sh- like shrugs it off because you know Richard is and he and Tommy are like the same age yeah you know he probably probably views him like a son the responsible son that I never had <laughs> yes you hang on to a car that's cherry kind of like your suitcase. <laughs> but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because we we have a, a typical format, and uh, since this is the first film of four for uh, April Fools movies, our favorite fools, you chose Tommy Boy, and this is your pick. So like I'm I I get to hand the keys over to you, and you can kind of drive the podcast mobile, and um, you <clears throat> know 
yeah. how, however, however you want to do it, however well, you want to um, do it. And, but it is, it is, it is like Chris Farley is gone, and so you you kind of have to uh, you know address that oh, yeah. elephant in the room right away. But anyway, well, yeah, you, you you take it away, man, Tommy boy. I'll do I'll, I'll do I'll do the rundown because one of the things that I like about this new format that we've that we've kind of moved towards where we just talk about a movie, and I think especially because you know we're you know I I hesitate to jinx it and say we're on this emerging part of you know coming out of the pandemic. People are being vaccinated and places are open back up and you know there's some semblance of normalcy here and there. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, nobody knows what'll, you know, tomorrow things could change, you know, you know, just, we have no idea. Mm -hmm. So, um, we're, but we are seeing a return to movies. I went to the theater for the first time since March of 2020, this past Wednesday, which was amazing. Um, so there's, there's parts of, uh, of life that are assuming, and we're starting to see more of, you know, the theatrical releases. So, there may be more of of what we'll return to as far as being able to cover some of the newer movies but in you know like you were saying with our new format one of the things that is nice is when we're going back over some of these older movies yeah we don't have to i mean like it's same kind of kind of like what we did with deadpool and my my you know kind of thought process behind picking tommy boy is there's plenty i mean tommy boy is one of those movies where you start talking about it with you know uh, you know, a buddy or a group of guys, you're like, it, it, it turns it as, oh, remember the part where, you know, he's like, oh, yeah. And it's just, it's just great because you just kind of like, it, there's this community feeling because Tommy Boy is one of those movies everybody has seen, everybody yeah. knows, and it's yeah. nice. And especially kind of, you know, maybe even a little bit, you know, uh, as we're going through this, because I picked this, I picked Tommy Boy because Chris Farley was the fool, quote unquote, that I wanted to pick because. Mm. He's, right. I mean, he's, I mean, I love Chris Farley. Everybody loves oh Chris my Farley. God. He's, yes. He's just one of yes. those guys like, oh, I mean, you, you miss him. You miss the hell out of him just because, like, man, uh, it was just a couple weeks ago. I was uh, rewatching Grown Ups, and then I think, I, I don't think I'd ever actually seen Grown Ups 2. Oh, and what I, did you think of the Grown Ups movies? Because I kind of, I kind of loved them. I, 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 was, I was watching those one weekend, and uh, I mentioned to you in one of our, like, you know, the text threads that we follow, you know, like, we talk to each other throughout the week. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm watching Grown Ups. It's such a fun, they're fun movies. They're really oh, they're fun totally movies. Fun. And I was like, the second one's got Shaq. <laughs> Shaq? Sh- I get a Shaq attack? Shaquille O'Neal, baby. And then I'm like, just thinking about that. And I can't, I can't remember if we had necessarily come up with this idea yet or not, but it was just, e- even still, I was in kind of, I feel like I've just been in a Farley kind of mood for a little while. Um, and uh, I was just sitting, as I was watching those, and they, I mean, especially with the second one, kind of hit me for the first time. I mean, Rob Schneider wasn't in the second one, which, you know. I, yeah, yeah. Um, he, you know, he didn't necessarily miss him, but at the same time, I, I did. Um, but, you know, in watching it, I'm sitting there, I was like, man, how much better would these movies that are already fun to watch, how much better would they be if Farley was here? Oh, my God. If you could substitute – and I, I don't want to hate on Kevin James because I, I think he's he's Chris Farley-like. Yeah. You know, and he's he's perfectly likable dude. But, yeah, if you could get Chris Farley in that group – and, like, of course, they 
Adam Sandler had the the Netflix special yes. where he had the the tribute to Chris Farley and he one of the lyrics was I'll see you in Grown Ups 3 or something yeah. like that. I wish Wishing I could we see you in Grown Ups 3. Film Grown Ups 3. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, and it just hits you in the feels. You're but like, oh, man. I just you just miss Farley. Yep. <sighs> and and correct me if I'm wrong, but have they really done anything together like Sandler and Farley in a theatrical movie? Like I can't uh, I mean, not nothing that really overlapped. Uh, I mean, they had, um, you know, like you know, Sandler and Farley were both technically in Coneheads, but I mean, they weren't on screen at the same time. Yeah. Um. So they're probably. I mean, they, it was just it was one of those like when you go back to like the mid, you know, early to mid '90s SNL cast, and you had oh, they had some awesome skits together. Oh, I mean, they, they, you just, I mean. Part of what made that work so, I mean, the sketches were amazing. The characters were hilarious. It was yeah. just, it was, uh, it was a, the 90s for SNL was probably one of their most, if not their most prolific decade. Um, just because, I mean, when you I would absolutely agree with that. The early, the entirety of the decade. Yeah. yeah. And even when you had you, the early 90s and then the mid to late 90s with, with Farrell and all those, yes. all those guys. I was like, I mean, you, you, there was a, there was a handing off of that baton from a really, you know, a really capable crew to another really capable crew, and it's like you, you really ever, didn't suffer. Do you ever see the sketch where they're like, it's it's intended? To, it's like I think it's like the last episode of the season, and it was intended to say goodbye to a lot of the main feature players. But it's like Norm Macdonald and Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. They're they're at a zoo. And they're just falling into like a tiger pit uh, yeah, one they, by one. <laughs> I think I remember that. Yeah, and it's so they're like and they're they're just like it, it's just it's hilarious how little effort they put into like making it really make sense. <laughs> so yeah. They're just like, ah, oh, like lean over there and tell me what you see, and then like Farley falls in. He's like, "Oh my god!" Isn't there like I'm a giant it. splash of blood or something? <laughs> yes, like that? yes. They're just like throwing buckets of red paint. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I remember it so clearly because it was like it was like everybody, dude. It was like, well, it wasn't Norm. I think he was the only one in the sketch that didn't go into the pit and yeah. get murdered to death. I, I think it was like Schneider uh and 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 Sandler and Farley it was, it was like a whole bunch of guys and like I, I think there was like even a maybe another person who wasn't as integral to that decade you know like that that era of SNL yeah uh but i i love that like it's something you got to like look up on youtube because it really is just like that handing off the end of an era of and that was i mean and the, and the same thing you know going going back to what you were saying kind of at the beginning of the show when we we're you know the 90s was also really the decade where SNL movies were at the height of their popularity. I mean, they, they yeah. really did. I mean, like, you know, looking at it, it, Tommy Boy had a $20 million budget, made $8 million opening weekend, and mm-hmm. just shy of 33 in a total domestic. So it's not like it was a box office smash. No, that's surprising to me. Like, I actually saw those numbers, too, and I, yeah. I felt like I remember it being a much bigger success. Um, I, I guess it was just like everybody who bought the Adam Sandler CDs and just who are fans of that cast and nobody else, you know, <laughs> it's like well, nobody else went to see it. Because SNL, like, you know, everybody, I mean, back back in the 90s, 
you know, you just remember, I mean, like think, you know, you know, to a degree, totally dating ourselves. But there's a part where it's like the whole, like, I just remember that phenomenon of like the next day at school or at work mm-hmm. or whatever you were doing where, yeah. you know, you were talking about what you watched last night on TV. And so yeah. primetime TV was always like, oh, you, you had to catch it because you didn't have any other option to catch it. Yeah, that's true. And you knew people, like the conversation the next day is like, oh, if I don't make sure I watch Seinfeld when I'm at work on Friday, people are going to be talking about Seinfeld. like, oh, crap. And you can't go back and rewatch it. you got to wait till the yeah. summer when it's in reruns. It's true. It's you true. Just missed I mean, it. you, you could record it on your VCR, yeah. but uh, it, it was less, like there, there were no DVRing. There yeah. was no streaming. You know, you just, you kind of had that shot. And if you weren't technically proficient enough to to program your vcr then and there was always that joke too it's like not everybody was good enough to record shit on the yeah. vcr to program it the, um, I mean, the, the blinking 12 o'clock the, right oh, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what which, i was getting. which cable do i plug in where how do i get this stupid vcr yeah. to work? that was yeah. I mean, a running gag it wasn't an easy thing to do no <laughs> and so like so that was i mean there there everybody always talked about the primetime stuff but there was kind of a different uh it wasn't like it was a more exclusive group of people, but like SNL because it started at eleven thirty on Saturday night. Yeah, and you know and it was over the weekend. And it was like there was so many other things that were that would happen on the weekend. The SNL crew, again, not like it was only a handful of people watched SNL. It was like it was a wildly popular show, but yeah. it was a, it was still a very different crew. It was a different tone because it's like okay, your average primetime viewer. It might not be staying up till one o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night. Um, to yeah, I mean, a lot of parents stage. wouldn't just probably wouldn't be cool with yeah. you know like letting your kids stay up that late. I mean, you know, it's an eleven thirty start, and the show is like an hour and a half long, and the show's not really worth watching past the first musical performance in a lot of cases. Yeah. But you still wanted to watch till the end. Well, and because um, you might get a Brian Fellows right at. You know the one o'clock mark or something. Bellows. <laughs> what you looking at, bird? <laughs> <laughs> but like it's uh, like one of the things that I re- I mean I remember um, uh, Comedy Central launched um, April first uh, in uh, nineteen ninety one. Nice, because I was I was eight when it launched, and they had. Um, Did you have access to Comedy Central at first? Because I didn't. Yeah. I, mean, I did it. It was like I my the, the cable company that I went through like didn't have it, and I, I had a friend who lived in, in uh, just north, like not in the same city, but and I would I would like maybe spend the night, and he would have you know like we would stay up and watch like Kids in the Hall and stuff. I mean that that was an HBO show, but they also rerun Kids in the Hall. And uh, yeah, so you had like your mystery science theater, yep. kids in the hall, and SNL. Uh, that was like I mean, reruns. They and they had a, I mean, they had a couple. I mean, they had Doctor Katz, professional therapist, was one of their flagship shows, and then they had the Daily Show with Craig Kilborn. That those were, I mean, they only had a couple things that they were launching with, and then the rest yeah. of it was just you know stand up specials that some yeah, of, some a of whole lot of stand up, right? And it was uh, others just like it was SNL reruns. It was stand-ups, and, and I mean, for me, even as a kid, even as eight, at eight years old, it was like, I mean, that was that was my bread. I mean, I loved stand-up comedy since I was a kid. Like, I, it was right. like if I ever had a dream job, it was to be a stand-up comedian. 
And so one of these like, days, just, we're gonna get you to go up there. Like you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna find I an open write mic. Jokes, and that means I gotta stop being lazy. <laughs> That's one of the yeah, hallmarks of a comedian. Like, writing is writing is hard. <laughs> <sighs> I was like, I know I could Which do it. Which is what makes a David Spade and a Rob Schneider so valuable. You know, you yeah. need that person who can write the material. And then, because you know, like Farley never wrote any of his own shit. <laughs> I mean, no, never. I, like the when they would, because that was one of the things, the anecdotes that I've heard over the years. Like they were all somewhat responsible for coming, coming to you know, coming to the table with ideas for stuff. But like yeah. <laughs> Farley, the, the shit that he would come up with is like, no one's ever gonna do this. This is the <laughs> stupidest. Like, stop. Coming you know up. when he came up, he probably came up with El Nino. Like that's probably I'm the shit El that he Nino, <laughs> which is Spanish for. The, the Nino. Nino. <laughs> I mean, like, like that's that's the beauty of Farley. It's like we had him for <laughs> such a small time. Like I think he started. I think the first thing he did was Wayne's World in '92. I think it was yeah. the first first role he had in a movie. Oh yeah, he was like the road, like the guy who stood outside he, yeah, to, he to, to give Wayne. One. Right, he gave Wayne and, and Garth some just some exposition, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he was great. I mean, like, he was, it totally he was fantastic. It was totally Farley. Yeah, and 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 then I liked him better as the wannabe roadie guy, though. Yes, <laughs> world. He, I was I got so no glad place else to go. <laughs> he, I'm like running out there to grab the mic when it falls <laughs> down, and he's like, ah, he's getting pelted with tennis balls, and Dale's pulling the mic stand down and like shooting him with tennis balls. Uh, I mean, like it just. That was the thing, like, it just worked so, I mean, Farley was just like this, he could do the same thing over and over and over, and you just yeah. always laughed at it, yeah. and it never stopped being funny, and that yep. was what was just so great. It was simple, but it worked so well. Yes, absolutely. His physical <sighs> comedy is just, you know, he's doing things in this movie that are just unbelievable, like he's doing cartwheels, and he's so, like... I hate to say athletic, but he was. He, he was he like really, an athletic for guy. Such a big guy. I mean, such a heavy guy. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm a I'm a heavy guy. I was like, I'm like, yeah. I'm not doing cartwheels. Could you anyway. imagine trying to do a cartwheel? Like, I wouldn't kill myself yeah, trying like, to do a cartwheel. This guy's just spinning around, like, yeah, look at me. And he, he, I would get one fourth of the way over, and I would yeah. just snap my neck like, and psh, die. I like, I, I would listen <laughs> as my wrist just went crack. I'm like, oh, this will not yeah. end well for me. Yeah. But like in in Tommy Boy, that was one of the things. Like he said, he want, like when he falls down on the table and it smashes at the beginning of the movie. He, yeah. Like, oh, he was like, the master of the pratfall. He, him, and oh. like Chevy Chase, like they were the SNL Hall of Fame pratfall guys. Like because he would do that. What was the skit that he would do where he was the motivational speaker and he would always Matt end Foley. up like, yeah, Matt Foley would always oh. kind of finalize the skit by crashing into the table. <laughs> And I'm here's like, you, here's me. Here. There's you, there's me. I, 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 the, and the, the the sketch when they had Christina Applegate on, and he, yes. he and, goes through and David Spade. Spade. Yeah. I was like, what do you want to do with yourself when you grow up? I was like, well, I kind of want to be a writer. Like, oh, I can't see too well, Dad. Is that Bill Shakespeare over there? Well, we've always encouraged Brian in his writing. He's like, Dad, I wish you could just shut your big gapper. <laughs> And then he gets to Christina Applegate, and he's like, hey, young lady, what do you want to do with your life? He's like, I want to live in a van down by the river. Oh, well, you'll have plenty of time to live in a van down by the river when, when you're, you're living, living in a van down by the river. Oh, it's just, it was, I mean, and you're, and you're watching Spade and Christina Applegate just start to lose it. Oh, they're hiding behind pillows. Oh, they're and, doing and, the best they can. 
Oh, that was th- I'm like Farley just that was, had that was Farley. But that, this is presence. the one movie where that energy and yeah. magic really translated to film. I think it worked so well. You know, I I, I don't want to disparage Chris Farley in any way because I was a fan, but I mean, diminishing returns with sh- uh, with Black Sheep. They yeah. just wanted to do a sequel to Tommy Boy, really. So they 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 turned that around really fast. And then you had like Beverly Hills Ninja, which I was never a fan of. Like it just never clicked for me. Yeah, I I, I had it on my list. It was one of the, and I'll probably still rewatch it. Um, just yeah, for the same. Sake of it. But it's yeah. it's one of those where it was like it it really like in I remember when it came out, and I just I went ahead and I just got it on VHS because I was in that I was in that mode that early on. I was like, you know what? Yeah. When it comes out on VHS, I'm just I just want to own it. I want to own Chris Farley stuff. I want to own David Spade stuff. You know, Adam Sandler. Um, Chris, I was like anything these guys are coming out with. Like, I just I need to have it just because I want these guys accessible. And yes. but Beverly Hills Ninja was just like, oh, this is really kind of a letdown. Like, this isn't. But I mean, really, that's his. That's like his big three. Yeah, it's Tommy Boy in '95, Black Sheep in '96, and Beverly Hills Ninja in '97. Yeah, and although he appeared in cameos in a lot of films, um, those are his three movies, and they just got like worse and worse for me like they just it you know like and, and but david spade was not even in beverly hills ninja yeah. they had chris rock they had in chris it. rock yeah um who i love but the two of them together just doesn't make sense it's it's one of those where it's like you know when you it's it's like when you're you have you're in a group of people and you're all friends yeah and as a group everybody works together as a group you hang out you have fun and this and that yeah but it's like it's one like one of those off moments where like there's like five or six people in the group and like three or four people leave and you're just yeah. there with somebody. It's like we're friends because of the group and we like each other. Right. It's a great we, analogy. We don't yeah. have a lot of moments where it's like, oh, hey, let's see what these two you are need, doing. You need that person who's the link between to make it work. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're friends. And I'm not but, saying that would have been Spade. That would have been Adam Sandler, I think. Yeah. Like if you'd add Adam to that mix, it would have been phenomenal. Oh, yeah. But – you know, whatever. You can't just like throw a couple SNL guys into a movie and expect it to work. You know, just well, can't. and 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 that because that was one of the things. And he's a fat guy, and he's a ninja. Like that, yeah. that premise only goes so far. <laughs> and then they had Robin Shaw, you know, who's coming off of his success from Mortal Kombat as like yeah. the serious guy. Who's that's true. Around. That's like, true. It was it was just kind of a weird element where it's like, okay, you know, this guy who's sort of the straight man but not really and it's you're mm-hmm. trying to get comedy out of that because farley's doing something stupid but he doesn't necessarily get hurt but like the consequence kind of rolls over into robin Shaw's character and you're like oh this doesn't totally work and then i think you, was it nicolette sheridan wasn't she like the female lead something like that like, well yeah but she's like a 90s erotic thriller type yeah, I was like, you know, this, like, yeah. this is weird why well, you're putting her with I mean, okay no one else available did Literally? rob lowe say no yeah. <laughs> like what's going on but i mean you know it's for me it's tommy boy and his 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 dirty work cameo yeah and like he, i thought he was he was great he was equally great in like Coneheads, Wayne's World. Yeah, like he was just really fun in like the three, four, five minutes he gets. Um, but I mean, that's it. And it, you look at Tommy Boy, and you're like, ah, what could have been? And then you always hear, and you you may have. I, I think I mean on YouTube it was available for a little while, and it was lost from time for a long time. But he was supposed to be 
the voice of Shrek. Yep, he was. And yeah, before Mike Myers got the role, and you can't. Mike Myers is was great. I mean, they made four movies for God's sakes, but you 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 wonder like, could he have made it work as a voice actor? And you get that you you just got those like pencil tests, and he's voicing it, and you're like. It probably wouldn't have worked as well. <laughs> it probably it would, it would, would have been a very different. I mean, like that's the thing. Is like okay, when you think about the comedy abilities of Mike Myers versus the comedy abilities of Chris Farley, it's like yeah, you know, Farley night and day. <laughs> and and when you're talking from just an audio perspective, because Farley was such a visual presence. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, like Farley had. I mean, he had that thing where he, I mean, where he would get loud real quick, you know. And so it was like, it, yeah, it would, you know, it would have been one of those things. Where it was like, not like Mike Myers. Like when you step back, and, I'm like Mike Myers is a talented guy. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say anything disparaging mm. about either one of them. But you better like, not <laughs> when you step when you step back and you look at like the range that Mike Myers has. It's not necessarily as wide as you might think it is. No, he does a really, really. great job of making you think he has a lot of range. Yeah, so I will he does give the same a character lot of, a lot. But, it, you know, it's like the Shrek character is not that different from, you know, so I married an axe murderer and fat bastard. Oh, absolutely like, not. <clears throat> he he hits a lot of, I mean, he can dress up a note in numbers. He gets a lot of mileage out of that little yes, bit of range he, that he really has. does. He really, really does. And and that's that's why it's like, because But he's of that, so good at that, yeah. look, that those one or two frequencies that he hits like he hits them so good yeah and and that's why it's like i think with farley i don't think you would have had as big of a shrek franchise just because yeah i think the note that farley would have hit i think he would have clashed with eddie murphy like it just wouldn't have worked and yeah and they because you know eddie eddie murphy you know would have been more of a contemporary of mike myers in his early days you know, you got Eddie Murphy coming off of, you know, the very beginning of uh, SNL. And it's not like they overlapped in any way, but like the be- the e- the end of his SNL career and the beginning mm-hmm. of Mike Myers wasn't as They far saw off. each other like on the way in, on the way out. Yeah, probably. it's when I was like, <laughs> like okay, we, we're a little bit closer to each other than like a Farley and Eddie Murphy would have been. And it, I mean, Murphy only had one contemporary, really, and it was Joe Piscopo. Yes, you know, like there, there was that one cobbled. Yeah, they worked great together. They were awesome. Um, Ebony and Ivory. Yeah, yeah, Ebony and Ivory. Absolutely. But you know, like you, you wonder, like what could have been with Farley? And and I say to that, like I don't think, I think we just got that lightning in a bottle with Tommy Boy. I really do. I I, yeah. I really feel like I would have been happy with a hundred movies of cameos with Chris Farley. I, I would still be happy with a cameo of Chris Farley where you just give him like tw- like three, four, five minutes to come in and just give you what he does. Yeah. And just he nails it every time. Like I don't he doesn't have to be like that loud presence like in Tommy Boy. Like I feel like he does a little bit of acting even like there are moments of sincerity in Tommy yeah. Boy where he kind of like isn't yelling and screaming and he's really being a person. And I'm I I feel like man I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that in he, his career. He really I mean he really did have I mean some of those really sweet notes did play off really well. You know where he remember like well the part that I'm thinking about in uh, in particular is where you know uh, Big Tom Callahan played by Brian Dennehy the great Brian Dennehy character uh, actor. he's 
<laughs> character actors. No one gives a shit if we're fat. <laughs> where he, you know, he he's trying to explain to Tommy where he just wanted to remarry and he didn't want to be alone. And like Tommy like turns it down to like a normal tone. He's like, it's cool, dad. You know, like, yeah, I, I love seeing that. And they, he was they only really 33 years chemistry. old when he died. Yeah. He was only 33. <laughs> he was still a kid. Yeah. It's like he, when he, he was, was 30, like 29, 30 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So he was yeah. 28 when he was in Coneheads. Ah, crazy. Crazy. So how do you, how do you want to like, so you, you talked about the, um, the budget and the success or perceived success. Um, uh, any, any, any other little details about the movie up front that you'd like to talk about before we get into, you know, however it is you want to steer this, this conversation. Oh, the, the, uh, um, I love the conversation where we're going, by the way, like, oh, it's, it's cool. That's, that's uh, cause that was really kind of my, like there's there, you know, there's different pieces of information as I, you know, going through the trivia as we always do and just kind of, you know, you know, thoughts and feelings because it was, it was like, okay, this is the movie that I picked is Tommy Boyd, but it's like, this is kind of a Chris Farley tribute episode. You know, it's like, each kind of is, yeah, like, because you know, there really aren't any other movies worth doing yeah. a whole episode of. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to come back around. I was like, hey, because even, I mean, like with, uh, with Black Sheep, I mean, like, as I was rewatching Black Sheep, um, Black Sheep is a fun movie to watch. Like, I don't want to say it's not a good movie. No, it is it's fun. It's still There's, fun. It's yeah. still and it's still funny. I mean, like, yeah, I, I it watched is. it yesterday. It's not Tommy Boy, ago. but it's not like it's not like it's so far off from Tommy Boy either. No, and and I because like some some of the some of the trouble, um, I think really because uh, Black Sheep was directed by Penelope Spheris, who did yeah. Wayne's World mm-hmm. one and two, right? And um, they wanted to get Peter Segal back. He did, yeah, because he directed uh, Tommy Boy. And right. David Spade really felt like he got their comedy a lot better and yeah. could direct them better. I, yeah, Penelope Sphere is like, I, I, from what I understand, just reading things and listening to podcasts and other things, like she didn't like no. what their comedy was. And she and all. she didn't like David Spade. Just flat yeah. out didn't like him. And that's that's not good. I mean, it when makes you it got, a lot harder. Yeah. I was like, because she worked really well with Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Mm-hmm. And that translated really. I really well. like her. I mean, she. I, I really dug like that. Though you know that those movies are great. I like the Beverly Hillbillies movie. I thought that was good. Yeah. Uh, did she did did she do Fast Times like? Uh, or no 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 no. That that was Amy I'm thinking of Amy Heckerling yeah. or something like. Yeah, she and she did Clueless too. Yeah, Amy Heckerling did. I don't know why. Like, they just they're just comedic directors who are women. I guess I just get those two mixed up because of that sometimes. Well, there just, there should be more. There's not, though, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, uh, that was that was the thing. Is like a black sheep, you know, really just because I mean, there's there's plenty there's plenty of moments in the movie where it's like this is genuinely entertaining. This is funny. And the addition of Gary Busey was oh genius. my gosh. Like, I mean, it just made great. it far. Away. Like, <laughs> oh, Gary Busey, and it was it was fun. Um, uh, I, I think I don't think I'd ever had the perspective when I've watched it in the past of having. Um, Bruce McGill and Tim Matheson on screen together again, uh, being that they hadn't been, I don't think they'd been in anything since, um, or maybe they had, but it was a reuniting of them from uh, Animal House. They were both. Yeah, that, together, that for for our fun. generation, I mean, you're you're younger than me, not t- yeah. a ton younger, but we probably wouldn't have just understood that right away. Yeah, when I when I watched Black Sheep, the I mean, first handful of times, I probably 
if I had seen Animal House at that point, especially like uh, not like a, an edited for TV Animal House, I certainly yeah. hadn't taken stock in the fact of who Bruce McGill is. I mean, like if you <laughs> you walk up yeah. down the street, he's like, hey, do you, do you know Bruce McGill? People are like, I, the, Tim uh, Matheson's like pretty synonymous with yeah. Animal House and a lot of other stuff. You know, I know he was in the very Brady sequel. Yes, he, he's 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 you know he's an iconic guy, kind of guy. Van Wilder of the seventies, late seventies. But and I mean, and you had I mean, you had really competent writers uh, for um, Tommy Boy too. You had uh, Bonnie Turner and Terry Turner, who were SNL writers. So you know, they mm. again knew Spade and Farley. again they get they get Spade and Farley. Right? Yeah, they did Wayne's World one and two. They did Coneheads, and they did the Brady Bunch movie. So I mean, Tommy you, Boy feels at home with yeah. Like I could watch Wayne's World one and two and Tommy Boy, and like they feel so close. The DNA of those movies are just. I mean, it's all right there. Yeah, it, I mean, because it, it, and that's that's one of those things about. Tommy I think Boy. they're the three best SNL movies. Would you agree or disagree? I, with that? I could, I could concede to that because uh, uh, once you got, because the, the the thing that uh, the later '90s crew really suffered. I mean, Will Ferrell's done a number of fantastic movies, but yeah. his SNL movies, I mean, not like, so great. Night at the Roxbury. Yeah, it, I mean, really and truly, superstar. A, that was not. Yeah, superstar. You know, those, I mean, they were funny Ladies' bits. man. Yeah, yeah, they were funny bits. They worked really well, but it was one of those, like, I, I think one of the things that they did better with. It wasn't until Adam McKay and he really yes. synced. They, when, they, when they teamed up, it was over. It, like, that was it. Well, and what they did with some of the earlier stuff, I was like, Tommy Boy is basically like, let Farley go be Farley. And everybody yeah. was like, everybody's looking, was like, Farley's a funny guy. Let yeah. Farley just go be Farley. Let him let Spade be there to be the foil to. Well, hell, they even did the airline guys too to kind of. Yeah. Like, oh, everybody loves the bye 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 bye. Like yeah. they even put that in at the end of the movie. <laughs> and and that that was the thing. It was like they they took elements with that crew because like when they um when they did Waterboy, that was Canteen Boy. Uh, yeah. You know, they took yeah they took oh, elements sure. of sketches that yes. really worked and stretched them into a premise it was like they took the character and they nuanced it it's like the ladies man you took a sketch and you made a movie of it i actually really like the ladies man i know like some people really don't think it's a good movie and some people consider it to be one of the worst of the snl movies but i, th- I think it's funny it's it's been a long time since i've seen it i, was, I think i saw it in theaters and that was it um it was it was just one of those it was like it was hard because it, there was very little nuance to it you just took the character yeah. and put the character yeah in the well, that's I mean, just how they did it. Yeah, right? some. I mean, sometimes sometimes Wayne's World had nuance to it, but yeah, they Wayne, stu- that that's one of the few SNL like ca- like sketches turned movies that did have any little bit of nuance to. Yeah, it. Yeah, a Wayne's World, and then I, I think I think one of the things that really made Coneheads work is Coneheads was such an icon. I mean, I think Wayne's World and Coneheads were such iconic sketches. Like every, I mean, like everybody knew them, everybody loved them, right? I, I think Coneheads works. Coneheads works. Conehead, and, and I've always heard that Stuart Smalley saves the world is good too, but I've never seen it because I was not a huge fan of the skit anyway. Yeah, it, it's it that that one. I, I, honestly, I've I've seen that one a handful of times, and it's it's fun. It worked really well because Stuart was part of a really dysfunctional family, and that was kind of like that emerging thing in the '90s of like, hey, I'm part of a dysfunctional family. Yeah, and, 90s. You know, that was yeah, for sure. Vincent D'Onofrio sure. was his older brother. 
It's the um, anti-nuclear family. <laughs> yeah, it was like, okay, we have problems, and we're going to kind of showcase that a little bit. And so it worked. It worked, especially in the time that it came out. Because sure. and, and again, it was like what they what they did is they took the character and they dropped him into a story. And I, I think that was like with Night of the Roxbury. like it felt like they tried to build a story around the characters. And I was like, these guys aren't. I mean, they're. I mean, it's a funny. It's a one note funny. Because um, kind of the same thing. It was like. With uh, the ladies' man, it has a little bit better because I mean Tim Meadows is a funny guy. Tim, you know, I think. I oh think, yeah, I think that if there's any success in the ladies' man, is because Tim Meadows is a genuinely capable, funny guy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Night of the Roxbury is going to suffer a little bit because Will Ferrell hadn't really nailed his, you know, his presence yet. Like people didn't know him, and like, oh, that guy's fun. Like, oh, I want to go see a Will Ferrell movie, and then you get Chris Kattan. I was like, you know, God yeah, he's like Kapan. a Chris Farley, but on another side of the spectrum. Like he's yeah. he's really just more of a visual kind of. Yeah, he was he was if he was ever going to go anywhere, it was going to be on somebody's coattails. Um, he's a funny yeah. guy, but he, he is was, funny. But, he was never because I like I like now like David Spade. He worked on SNL really well. Yes, he and he was like Mango and like characters yeah. like Antonio Banderas show like yes. He did a lot of heavy lifting there. It was just one of those things where, like, I mean, I <laughs> there are moments in Corky Romano that I will always laugh at, always. And it is a really, really genuinely stupid movie. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one out. Actually. It is. Because he's like, like a mob. Is He's like his, an informant or something? His, his dad is Peter Falk, who is a mafia boss. Okay. And his brothers are Peter Berg and Chris Penn. And they're, I mean, they're mafia guys. Okay. And the FBI wants to use Corky, who's his third, who's Peter Falk's third son, who's not of the mafia. He's a, he's a, um, uh, a vet uh, with animals, and he's just like this, you know, happy-go-lucky, goofy guy. And they want to use him to go in and get evidence against his family or something. Yeah, it was just it was a silly premise, and he was he made it work well enough. It was it yeah. I mean, I was one of the first places I ever saw Zach Galifianakis. He has a bit in that movie. Oh, okay. Um, so there was enough moving pieces that made it funny enough. But it's like it was it was one of those things. Like it's funny to me that somebody like him, you know, like I wouldn't have put him in a movie on his own. But like Dana Carvey never really had a vehicle that just totally worked for him. No, like Dana Carvey's a genuinely, I mean, hilarious guy. He was a great writer, yeah. great stand up great sketch comic i mean like he was what is like they're just they never found a place for dana carvey to just be dana carvey and have it work in a theatrical setting right um but it's like i think when i think about farley like after the, you know these movies because I, I don't think he i mean you know spade um has been in movies here and there um, i'd like to talk about spade if we could like yeah. it's interesting they're it's like the the one note that I made was like remember when David Spade was like the snarky preppy nerdy guy and everything yes. before yep. he became like the snarky like redneck kid rock character like it was but he because, is like kind of now still yeah it, it was it was really like that that role that he had on just shoot me I think really kind of um immortalized him in that uh for a yeah. while and i think of like movie roles like pcu yes you know uh just it's hilarious you know like was, he was in police academy like he was oh, a yeah. skateboard kid i 
you know, like I got to mention this. This is this is the Cinemasters universe, but it's also like binge watching '80s TV shows podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I watched I watched all four seasons of Alf, and uh, David Spade shows up as a stand up comic in one of the like season four or something, where like Alf becomes a stand up in his yes. dreams. <laughs> but there was David Spade as a stand up comic, and he's kind of that preppy you know snarky yeah. you know like week the weekend update guy you know like the hollywood minute guy yeah but that's and, what he was and he was in full david spade snarky preppy mode in this movie and it, and that was because that was his thing and he i mean he was just grinding on that for forever and, and it worked yeah I yeah mean, yeah because uh i mean he was um i i recently rewatched because I, I mean i i absolutely i mean norm Macdonald i think has become one of my favorite stand-up comedians of all time because <laughs> norm Macdonald's just absolutely uh, i mean unadulterated hilarity in stand up human form his he has like comp comedic timing hall of fame like <sighs> i mean some sometimes like a guy can make a career like we talked about how like mike myers can have he can get so much out of those couple of frequencies yes. norm mcdonald's the same like norm, only yeah. norm mcdonald can do what he does but yeah. he does it to perfection. <laughs> if anybody really tried to copy it, it would be one of those things like you you would call it out. It was like you're just trying. I mean, this is like a Norm Macdonald impression. Because like even to be Norm Macdonald. Yeah, it's like and, and like, you would get times, angry about it. <laughs> there are times where like I I know just be, it, more as an homage. Like I would I love the way he delivers stuff, and I want to yeah. be able to oh. do it the same way. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. kind of like that. You know, like if you're supposed to pause for five seconds, he pauses for five and a half. <laughs> Yes, just yes. to make it a just to stretch it to the point where it's like it's not egregious yet, but it's beyond where you're supposed to, and it, yeah. like it was just kind of in those little moments where he's just kind of irreverent towards whatever the format's supposed to be. He's like, I'm just going to do this my way. Yes, I'm going to talk the way that I talk. I I love when he's supposed to use the, like one of the little things that he does that I really genuinely love is when he's supposed to use the word an instead of a. Like he'll say like half a hour. Okay, <laughs> and that's and a choice. It, that's it, a choice. He's purposeful in doing that, and I just love it because it's so Norm Macdonald. So I was I was rewatching um, the first episode of Norm Macdonald has a show on Netflix, which is a great series if you love Norm Macdonald. Oh, okay, there and you go. Spade Spade was his guest. Max Wright is in that uh, show. <laughs> yes. Speaking of Willie Tanner. Yes. Um. And Spade was talking about he was telling his anecdote about being on um, the Gary Shandling show, and that uh, what you were talking about that's that was his that was his total shtick. It was like he's he was a stand up comedian who was booked on Larry Shan or the the Larry Sanders show, um, and he, the the whole episode because Norman gets pissed at him. He's like, "Wait, I thought you were telling an anecdote about being on the show. You're just telling me what happens in the episode. It's like, <laughs> I could just go watch the episode." He's like, "What do you want? What do you want from me, man? I'm just, I'm, I'm just telling. I'm just, we're just riffing here. It's not like anything, it's like, nobody's going to watch this stupid show." But it, like, Norm McDonald's appearances on Conan are like, oh, exactly how legendary. I He's exactly how I remember, want to remember Norm Macdonald for life. <laughs> that irreverent, as you say, guy on the couch who's not supposed to be speaking because he's already had his guest turn. <laughs> and he's just commentating. <laughs> way back, way back in the, it was the second set that Conan had. It was the blue and the purple. It was after he had left like that gold 
uh, or like the the yellow, the mustard yellow yeah. kind of set that yeah, he first yeah. had. Um, and he had Courtney Thorne Smith on, and she was talking about being in a movie with uh, Carrot Top. Oh my God, <laughs> Norm, chairman of the, the board, whole, chairman of the board the whole time. Norm's <laughs> like, oh, that guy Carrot Top. Yeah, he's like box office poison. Box office poison. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like the whole time, he's, he's like he's telling anecdotes about how much he loves the show Melrose Place. <laughs> just interrupting. <laughs> Courtney Thorne Smith could get a word in. Oh, and and then they get to the end of it, and he's like, you know, he's like, oh, what's the name of the movie? The chairman of the board. And Conan just turns to Nora, like, yeah, just just try and mess that one up. And he goes, right. oh, I bet board is B O R E D. And he's like, oh, this man <laughs> is a genius. This comedy is gold. Yeah. Um, the NBC execs who hated him famously didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know what they were talking about. And then, like that's why these guys, I mean, like, just, like, because I know that the, the group of these guys has been on Conan a couple of times. And it is, I mean, like, yeah. when you get Sandler, and unfortunately you didn't have Farley, but Sandler and Spade and Rock and uh, Norm and... Farley, Farley made it on a handful of times. Yeah, he made he it was, on a handful of times. He was, yeah, in, in the later later years where they've they've had those guys, you, you know, because Conan was one of the writers that, you know, they worked with and loved um, for yes. a lot of years. So it was, you know, it, it's... I, 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 I'm glad that all those guys, you know, like you, for Norm, it's like he can go back and, and watch, you know, Dirty Work and be like, yeah, that was when, you know, Farley and I worked together and that was... Yeah. The, I mean... The ca- the chemistry that he that's had the Saigon whore who bit my <laughs> nose off <laughs> in the land with man peace of the line where he's like when he's releasing the skunks yes oh my god <laughs> yeah he's just got his like little monologue <laughs> the man with half a nose is king <laughs> he's <was> like oh. <laughs> And, and, and he's, he's doing that like hand gesture thing that yes. Farley always was known for. He's he's, he's almost in like the full. And he's so he's so overweight, and he's oh. so he's so oily. <laughs> like his and, hair is like thinned out, and he just looks so bad. But he's he's still got everything. When he has the exchange with Norm when they're sitting at the bar, and Norm's like, "Hey, hey, uh, you know, now that I got kicked out of my place, you know, <laughs> could I could I stay with you for a couple of days?" Like, uh, you know, I. And staying at the YMCA, <laughs> I get this roommate, and he's going through. His, oh no, that's okay. You know, he's like, you know, he finally goes, his feet bleed. I don't want to stay with you. <laughs> and he's like, fuck. Uh, like, there's. I, I I always wonder, like, was that in the script, or the, did they just let no keep going? no? It wasn't. No, See, it that's, wasn't. That's what I love about like. I mean, it, I don't know that, but like, it, it just I know feels, that. It, yeah, it feels like one of those things where it's like. They just let it go, and because you know, there Farley did. Farley was very physical, but Farley would have those moments. You you could just tell where it's like there was brilliance in his comedy. It wasn't. Oh just yeah, he ran around like. An well, idiot. he came up through, um, you know, improv. I mean, that yeah. was his thing. He was. Like, oh yeah, he supposedly was supposedly like the. Guy. Yep. He was a second city superstar, and everyone just was like, he was a legend. Well, he was a legend. And- <laughs> Because one of his, you know, when when if you want to flip the script, you have you know all these sketches where Farley's you know super physical, but then you have the Chris Farley show on SNL. <laughs> yes, and with Paul McCartney is like my favorite. Like, and the remember one where when you Jeff were in Daniels. the Beatles? <laughs> hey, you, you, you remember 
you remember when he said the um, Zach Galifianakis completely ripped off Farley. It, uh, between two, two ferns, ferns is is yes. undoubtedly the Chris Farley yes. show just remade. Absolutely, absolutely, and they're both genius <clears throat> in their own way. Yes, it's the same concept. Galifianakis is almost like you get Farley and Spade rolled into one person because hmm, he's 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 got that snarky sarcastic. Yeah, I like that. Un- I like I like that. I like that. You're <laughs> right. You're right. Farley, Farley never thought of it a, that way he, before, but you're right. He was a lovable moron where you're just like, this guy is the, he's like, he, you're like, no, no, it's fine. He's like, such an idiot. Oh, God. <laughs> no, it's going really well. It's, it, it's, like, it's going really well. Yeah. You could know. totally see like a Kevin Nealon like against him, you know, like, no, no, this is going really well. Because <laughs> uh, he did it with Jeff Daniels and I think he did it with uh, Martin Scorsese too. Um, I think they did like oh. a handful of different iterations of the Chris Farley oh. show because I know he did Paul McCartney. I know he did Jeff yes. Daniels. Yes, Paul McCartney's the one I always think of. I always uh, think of that one. Uh, it's like, remember were, when you were with the Beatles? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> and then it's like, you're, you remember? You remember when they they said we, like you play the record backwards, and and it and it would it would say Paul is dead. Paul is dead. And, and you you remember you remember that? He's like, yeah, I, I do. It's like. And that that was that was just a hoax, right? That was a hoax. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, clearly. I'm, but that I'm feels like he wrote that. Like he yeah. had to have written that, oh, right? That, so he could write. He could that, write. That was the thing. It was like that was that was where you get the brilliance of Chris Farley because it was it felt very much like he he understood. he had a framework. Like yeah. maybe maybe he didn't have like the writing skills down necessarily, but he definitely had a framework that he was totally one hundred percent comfortable working in. Because cause he knew how to apply himself in other people's work. He's like, all right, hey, you know, because San, Sandler, I mean, Sandler wrote songs. I mean, and he was really gifted at that. I mean, he was, he had that musical ability because it was a little bit different than like a weird That album. was his, that was his thing. That, yes. Yeah. He Before, was, there were there were a lot of people that came along after Sandler whose thing was musical comedy, but he, I feel like he kind of pioneered it. Well, and that's where, that's where you get like the. You have uh, Farley jumping around doing the lunch lady, lunch lady, lunch lady yeah. yeah, yeah, and you're like, okay, you know, it's almost like Sandler knows he can write this with that in mind because it's gonna mm. take, it's gonna take the words and elevate them because you're gonna have this physicality to it, and so it was, it's when I was like, you know, there there really was a, a lot of genius in, in in the in the really funny things they did, and like. I remember. I remember when I got. So I think I had two or three copies of SNL Trivial Pursuit over the years. Ooh. And um, when you when you own SNL Trivial Pursuit and you try to play it with other people, uh, especially people that haven't watched anywhere near as much Saturday Night Live as you have, you still realize there was a lot of Saturday Night Live that I either didn't see or oh, didn't yeah. you know didn't just make special note of because. Once you get to Trivial Pursuit level of fandom, yeah. like even like the Star Wars Trivial Pursuit, you know, like when you when you decide to play that game, you really got to get deep into it. I'm sure SNL's the same, but like I was playing Star Wars Trivial Pursuit, like oh, I've seen Star Wars a whole bunch of times. But then they'll ask us questions like, "What was the cell number yeah. that Leia was in?" And like you're like, somebody actually paid enough attention to like mem- like commit to memory the cell number. <laughs> And you're, like, like even if you know it, you're almost kind of like, 
I should I probably ev- not answer this. Do I want everyone here to know that I know that level yeah. of information? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Is this really going to do me any favors? There's socially? a whole lot of bad SNL out there. Like for every yes. classic SNL skit, there's like ten awful, forgettable, never should have been made. You know, yeah, bad for, skits. For every Farley sketch that hits, there's a year of Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this was a bad idea. I was like mm-hmm. Danny DeVito. I'm like, there's so many of those guys that were in there for just a little while that, I mean, like when yeah, you go. Robert you look, Downey Jr. Yeah. <laughs> like, when you look at, at the guys, I mean, that were on SNL for any length of time, you're like, holy crap. I had no yeah. idea that some of these people yeah, were in the yeah. cast. They tried. They tried a lot of things. I, okay. So I want to pull this conversation. I know this is like a tribute to Chris Farley, but we should talk about Tommy Boy in some, some ways. That's fine. That tracks. Um, um I, I, I made a note, and I'm sorry if I'm if I'm overstepping here because I know this is like your topic. I can tell you that you're not. <laughs> but in the beginning of the movie, I really, really, really wished. You know, we talked about Animal House and what a you know good movie that was, classic movie. Oh yeah. I want to see a whole. I wanted to see like a whole movie with Chris Farley at Marquette College, oh, yeah. just being like. A college student being <laughs> like, Chris Farley. I loved, I loved that first five ten minutes of the movie where he's with his rugby stoner friends, yes. you know, like and he's in his element and he's not with Richard who just fractures his confidence and like you know like Chris Farley is in all of his glory when he's in college. Oh yeah, and I love that and I love the line too where like you know he's like a lot of people go to college for seven years. <laughs> yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> oh, this has to be you. There are the so there are so many lines and they're almost all David Spade that just I carry with me to this day. So many good ones and that's one of them. But like I I wrote a note. It's like I want to see just like uninhibited Chris Farley as a college student i just want to see him like doing cartwheels in the quad like i want to see that movie and it never got made and never will but like i would love yeah. to see that movie also I, like oh go ahead no i was i was gonna say i would i would watch the hell out of that movie also really it's kind of a bummer you know that you know big tom played by brian dennehy and tommy like weren't in more of the movie together yeah because i thought that as a as a duo, like they had such amazing chemistry. <laughs> like they I really loved did. every scene that they had together. Like I know they're not related in any way, but man, does he feel like he would? I mean, he it was just like a wonder one of the all time great casting decisions to get Brian Dennehy because he's not a comedic guy. No, not usually. But no, but he, but he was he was able to utilize Chris for like he even though he never worked with him on SNL that I know of. He knew where to stand back and like went when to call him forward and just the two of them, like they made so much sense together. And like I really regret that not regret, but like it w- just a few more scenes of them together I would have loved to have seen. It, yeah, it, re- it would have been nice because because they worked so like it's when I was like, um you, you get those you get those uh those casting choices where you know somebody's is cast as somebody's dad or somebody is you know, of relation, like when you go to Black Sheep and you're like, okay, Chris Farley and Tim Matheson, you're like, I get that you guys just wanted to put these guys in a movie, but it's like they don't, there's yeah. nothing about this that even makes sense that these guys are nope. brothers. No, no. Not even close. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you, when it's, when it works and it really works, 
it is like oh it would have been so much nicer to have you know just i mean like uh, like what you're saying just just a handful i mean like not the whole movie you don't need yeah. a, you don't need hey brian no Denny because it's and, supposed to be david spade like yeah. the movie it's it's a it's a road it's like it's like i think of planes trains on the boats like the movie is at its best when it's yes. like david spade and farley on the road together that's that's what i'm sure they sold the movie on that part of it Oh yeah, we want to make a movie with David Spade and Chris Farley, and it's going to be like playing strange zombies. They're like on the road and they're selling, and like that's that's the bread and butter of the movie. Yeah, but I really love those early scenes, like those establishing moments with Dennehy as the dad, and I love just like seeing you know Brian Dennehy being him. You know, like he's he's just he's super. He has the respect of everyone in the town and everyone in the factory. And he's like selling, and he's like, I love the scene where like they're at his wedding, and he's like drunk, and he's like he still sells this guy. And he's like I, six whiskey sours, and I still got it. You know, like those yeah. like little scenes. I love that. I love that so much. It and, and it's w- good. No, no, I was and I was just gonna say that it 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 it's such a good. I feel like a big part of the reason why the movie's so good is because of him, because it sets it really gives you some. Like you're you're interested in this movie. Like you, they spend such such a good part of the movie early on establishing that Tommy is he's in college. He graduated. You know he's he's in a position like kind of like with Adam Sandler as the son and Billy Madison. Like he's going to inherit the hotels, but he's an yeah. idiot. Yes, you know. But you're rooting for him, but he's an idiot. And it's same same situation here. But you know, there's this underdog there's this underdog movie that's that's going to happen and you you can't have that until you see like what Brian Dennehy brought to the table yeah and how everyone depended on him including Tommy and he dies and you have those moments like at the funeral and he's walking home from the funeral and he's kind of sitting on one of the docks at the the warehouse and he's sort of lost and he you know like this is he has to step into these huge shoes yeah he has to fill these shoes and save the company in the town, and uh, that the movie the the like there there would be no stakes if it wasn't for like how strong of a performance Brian Henney put in between in like their relationship in the movie like it really works. Well, yeah, because like that was that was the thing that you know I think what makes Tommy Boy such a meaningful movie in in Farley's career and in you know in just in comedies is like it really had. It had a heart to it. It had like the story, you know, in a lot of ways, the story is one that, you know, you, I mean, it wouldn't have had to necessarily be Chris Farley and David Spade. You're like, okay, here's, here's a town. And I, I, I love, I love the opening of it where he's like, you have, you know, you have the kid version of, mm-hmm. uh, of yeah. Tommy and Richard and, you right. know, and it just, it seamlessly transitions into, you know, Tommy is a, is a college student, you know. Right. And you have. I, I do love that. I, I like uh, because I like it gives it gives you the sense that there's a uh, a real awareness of how they want to present the comedy. Mm-hmm. Like even with the Herbie Hancock thing, it's like, OK, <laughs> I love that they circle back around and that's a joke that gets two laughs. They're not great laughs. I mean, it's not like, oh, that, yeah, that's why I went to see it's the a, movie. it. Yeah. It's one of those laughs like. They had to. It had to pay off yeah. at one point, you know. And they made the, they made the joke, and you're like, okay, it's satisfying, even yeah. though you could see it coming. There was there was you know you could say I was like okay there was intention to how they wrote this, and there was there was real me- and so it was, okay. And then as as Tommy comes back to the town, 
you know, like they're and they're, they have that establishing where it's like, hey, they're driving past the muffler place, they're driving past the tire place, like, yep, all yeah. these, all these, these blue collar businesses that would have one at one point been something that was the backbone of a of a community like this. Mm-hmm. How those were, you know, going by the wayside, and and you have this Callahan Auto Parts. You have this. There's yeah. 300 people. It's not like 10,000 employees. It's another little family owned franchise. You know that is this nationwide giant. People all across the country know Callahan. You know brake pads. Yeah. Uh, you know, or the Callahan Auto Part, the Callahan. Uh, well, yeah, because the Dan Aykroyd character Zelensky yeah. just wants to buy the name. Yeah, it's and like he wants to shut down everything. Like he just the wants the name on the box. A big deal. So right. You know, there's it's it, you see this and you're like, okay, there's there is something really at stake, and it's something that people. Even if they don't directly identify with, it's like okay, they may know somebody. It's it's a story where it's like okay, well, there's a lot of pride in these manufacturing yeah. jobs in the Midwest. Yeah, and so it's it has this real because that was I mean that was one of the things about Farley. Farley felt like a Midwest kind of guy. I was like, you get you you have you know you have L.A. comedians, you have New York comedians. You know, there's the there's the wasn't he like a Wisconsin guy? Yeah, he's like, from Wisconsin. So that's and, what I thought. Yeah, and so it really—I mean, it really just felt like it showcased his Midwestern appeal. Yeah, and um, and so it was like, okay, there's you—you've got some characters. I can actually hear you getting fatter. That's like I don't know what, baby. I was thinking oh. like Wisconsin and cheese, and like yes. you see all that cheese in his face. But then like when he's like, I can actually hear you getting fatter. You that's getting one fatter. of the great lines. <laughs> Uh, he's, like, you don't, he's just like squirting ketchup into his face directly into his <laughs> mouth after he eats a fry. <laughs> no, you don't need to worry. He's got a thin candy shell. I'm surprised you didn't know that. Your brain is a thick candy shell. You shut your, up, your brain is has yeah. a shell. <laughs> I love all those. I love but all those. It, it like even even when he's dealing with you know the the guy from the bank. It's when I was like, it's handshake deals. It's you know we're not. We're not crunching. We're not, you know, like they're still crunching numbers, but it's like you're dealing and like, you know, when when he's dealing with Tom, big Tom Callahan, it's like, hey, you, I mean, you know, us, you've been dealing with us for for generations, for mm-hmm. decades. It's like it was handshake deals when that was the thing that worked. It's like, OK, there's a there's an honesty to the business. And so it was like when you have the character of Brian Dennehy and all the points you're making, it's like he really shone through in that and the relationship with him and Tommy. And even the relationship where it's like, okay, you know, um, when you circle back around to it towards the end where, you know, you have Richard talking about, I was like, you know, I didn't really have a dad and your dad you know, yeah. filled that role for me. It's like you got, right. a, even even in their brief interactions, you did get a sense of, okay, it's like Richard's not just, you know, like he's a Weasley little guy, but it's like, yeah. I mean, he's in the room with everybody. It's not like he's yeah. just like, oh yeah, no, he's, he's, a, he's a dick and no one cares about it. I was like, no, he's in the room. Yeah. You know, so it it just felt like there was he's got a, a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I, I love the like line where he was like he shows him his new office. He's like, hey, you got a window, and why shouldn't you? You've been here ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder a little bit. Uh, it's called reading, left to right, top to bottom. Group of words and sentences. <laughs> Take time off for any headaches. Might offer any cramps. <laughs> Might offer any cramps. <laughs> he's just like he's so he's just drenched in sarcasm. It's it also just, David Spade's best role, honestly. Uh, it really, is. I mean, like I would say, like I've I've really enjoyed the the kind of the persona that he has now. I feel like he has a lot of appeal. Yeah, um, I like it. I like I, there's two David Spades, yes. two very distinct halves of David Spade's career. Yes. And they're both great. 
But this, I, this this is my favorite role of his. This, oh yeah, by far. I have like, the most nostalgia for this role. <laughs> I think outside. I mean, outside of this, like I'm trying to think, like f- film wise, I'm like Joe Dirt. I'm like Joe, the first one was entertaining. Yeah, Second I like I like Joe Rick. Dirt. No, um, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was not a well they needed to go back to. Um, but yeah, I mean, when it, you know, for, for Joe Dirt money, perpetuated his like redneck kid rock yeah. kind of persona for a long time. And it was, well, it's, it's funny because like when you, when you get down to who David Spade was, you know, like growing up in Arizona, mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, he really was. I mean, he's a, a little bit of that, yeah, yeah. I was like a little the, bit like, of that. More probably more. If he's honest, probably more of that than the early part of his career. Oh yeah, like you can, and I think it gives credence and, and even uh, even more respect to the fact that the David Spade we get in Tommy Boy is really almost like a character that he plays, just in, mm-hmm. in a general sense. But it's like when he left Arizona to become. You know, you know, to be on Saturday Night Live, to be in movies, to you know, to try and make it as an actor and a comedian, as a stand-up. Yeah, yeah. it's like okay, he reinvented himself and did so. I really, really recommend good. his audiobook too. Like, it's really good. Like, if you want to get to know like David Spade, it's it's a really good listen. His, and his, I mean, I I would stand by. I think just about any of his stand-up uh, specials he's done because I've listened to a number of them and. I mean, like he he because he did. He grew up. He grew up poor white trash. I mean, yeah. that's basically how he grew up. So when he's he's being these like snarky preppy college, yeah, that's you know not like who he that was at all. that's not really who he was. <laughs> no, it's, it's, he had all that like he had all that like sarcasm in him. Yeah, and that that lent itself well to these characters. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's not who he was. <laughs> uh, at least that's not the sense of who I got who he was. <laughs> and and that was and you know that's that's why and I think that's why Tommy Boy works so much better because. When you think about all of those iconic lines, the ones that like, it's like it's like Farley sets it up. Like when you have the, um, uh, no, I, I called. Oh, did you? Uh, what number did you call? Two, <laughs> four, niner, niner, six. <laughs> you're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Yeah. Are you calling from a walkie-talkie? A walkie-talkie. It's yeah. like spade on his own doesn't just work and Farley no. on his own doesn't just work in those exchanges. Right. It's yes. the mixture of the two of them and it's the odd they, couple effect. Oh, yeah. And it, it's just and it's and it's so great. It's like And I really like throwing in like a Rob Lowe in this movie too. Like I wanted to, I wrote a note that like Rob Lowe is like a really kind of important part of this movie. Like the, this was so this was like his like what second or th- I guess it was like his second big comeback role. Like he was in Wayne's World. Yeah, and he was Rob Lowe he was, was like a kind of a sex movie. symbol guy in the '80s, and he got into some like trouble with this underage girl on the tape and everything, yeah. and he kind of disappeared. And then he came back like it was a big deal. I feel like when he came back in Wayne's World, and then you know he was in Tommy or uh, yeah Tommy Boy, and uh, I really liked what he was trying to do. Like I thought I liked a lot of I liked a lot of the scenes with he and Tommy early on. Bef- you know, like when 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 Spade and Tommy are on the road, and like Rob Lowe kind of has to be like the the sneaky, you know, sort of the douche. sneaky, yeah, sneaky douchey, but also kind of 
he's not very good. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, he's like pissing on the electric fence and he's getting like attacked by the dog. And, the shirt you know, he, in the, uh, his shirt gets ripped the through the like, tube. yeah, <laughs> like those are all fine and dandy, but like, I liked it best. Like, I really like the cow tipping scene you know, like, and he's like spraying with the water and it's, you, you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid. Like I could have watched the two of them for like a whole movie, honestly, like that totally got funny douche well. with mud. Got news for it doesn't smell like <laughs> Hey, Chucko, that's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But these like, shoes I are Italian. To... worth more than your life. Yeah, right. These shoes are Italian. <laughs> I love, I love him in that. I thought he was great, and it really is just like a sort of a continuation of his character in Wayne's World too. Uh, well, you know, Wayne's World one also. Uh, well, and I one of the things that I, I didn't realize uh, going into it that in reading the trivia that I really enjoyed is. Um, contractually, Rob Lowe at the time was working on the stand, and there was too much red tape for them to be able to get him in the movie credited. And so, because he was friends with Farley, he mm-hmm. took an uncredited role in the film. Just to that's interesting. That's interesting that they were friends. Yeah, like, it's, you wouldn't necessarily. They don't seem like yeah. They don't seem yeah. like they have that kind of overlap. But yeah, because but the, I love that Rob Lowe had this bustling career like he i mean like he he was on the way he landed on the west wing and he you know yes. was amazing like emmy award-winning amazing and then he, of course he like turns on parks and rec i mean like he's he's such a funny dude we know him as such a funny dude nowadays but he wasn't that for a long long no, time <laughs> he's, he's i mean like for him to have birthed the comedic career that he has I think is a testament to his overall acting ability because yeah. he was he was he played he was really good at playing you know kind of a douchey party guy yeah I mean like you know th- there were a lot I mean like in the eighties like you know uh, there I feel a like douchey were, party guy like yeah. that's a great that's a great yeah that's a great description of like what he, he I mean he was he was a good looking but that only guy. works for so long yeah <laughs> sooner uh, or later you get in a you get caught in the tape. <laughs> <laughs> and and what's funny is, in, in a lot of respects, when you when you think of it, it's like okay, some of the contemporaries that he had. I mean, you look at like Andrew McCarthy and um, Emilio Estevez, Emilio like Estevez, and yeah. and um, um, oh, oh, who's the on the blacklist? He was in Pretty in Pink, the other douchey guy. Well, I can't think of his name. Um, mm. He was Robert California on The Office. Um, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about, and like well, I, 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 I was think thinking him too. Like David, David Spader, uh, James Spader, James Spader, James Spader. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, all, all of those guys, over time, really lost their looks. I mean, like you know, they, I mean, they had that boyish charm, but it's yeah. like when you look at Rob Lowe now, you're like, Rob Lowe's still in really good. He shape, still looks, and he's yeah. still a really attractive guy. You're like, how did he do what this? What the hell right. did you do here, man? Like, right. what? What did you and Robert Downey Jr. I mean, Emilio out? looks. He, you know, he's a little dumpier. He looks. Um, he looks like his dad. He, yeah, I mean, like <laughs> he looks him, just like his dad. <laughs> seeing Emilio Estevez in uh, the new Mighty Duck show, on, yeah. uh, on Disney Plus, you're like, okay, right? Yeah, you've kind of given up, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> you look a little dumpy there. That's Oof. fine. Yikes. And you're like James Spader, like yeah, for him for sure. Like he lost that those looks. Yeah, he's fantastic. <laughs> I don't even know what Andrew McCarthy looks like nowadays. I have no idea. <laughs> Andrew McCarthy looks he looks like himself, just kind of more beat up. He's just okay, like, <laughs> just aged. <laughs> like he's, he's just been older. beaten up in a fight in an alley. <laughs> he's yeah. He, he took, he, he took <laughs> is the that street what you fighting. Mean? 
He just looks like he's been fighting a lot. He's, he's been getting into a lot <laughs> he of He just looks brawls. like he does. He looked like he did a mannequin, but with a black eye. <laughs> yeah, it's like if he had like a cut, like a big, like a thick cut along his cheek <laughs> with stitches and an uh-huh. eye patch. Yeah. You know, and like a dislocated shoulder. And he's in a wheelchair. He looks uh-huh. kind of like a pirate. That's basically what he looks like. Yeah. It's like that's Andrew McCarthy. But I, I do I do love Rob Love this movie. I think it was really fun. Well, and, um, and the other funny thing about Rob Lowe is um, Rob Lowe created a little bit of the tension on set because Farley was super jealous when Spade would spend time with uh, Rob Lowe because the two of them clicked. I, I don't think they had oh. as much. But like Farley got really jealous of uh, Spade kind of interfering with his uh, Rob Lowe time. And That's that created, hilarious. That created a little bit of tension between the two of them on set because they they did get in a couple of you know decent-sized fights on set apparently. And wow. it, it's, and it, it's funny because like uh, that didn't to me translate too much in the movie. Like it, it, no, it, no, 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 no. You don't get this idea that the two of them would have been because the other thing was the two of them dated uh, the the girl from the pool, the pool scene um, uh, <laughs> where David's uh, David Spade's he's up in the oh room. you yeah you you take that robe off you <laughs> like that oh, scene nobody's around no you're good. Speaking oh. of nobody's around. Richard, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? Who's your favorite little rascal? <laughs> Richard, who's your favorite little rascal? Is it Alfalfa or, or Spanky? spanky. <laughs> That's hilarious. But That's yeah, they really both funny. dated that. They both dated that girl, and that <laughs> there was more contention over that. So it's like there was there was a little bit of drama behind the scenes at, at times, and Never Rob Lowe was that. a contributing factor to that, which I just thought was interesting. That's really funny. Um, just a couple more lines. One, one other line. I love the part where they're they're going to, you know, like the big third third act where they're gonna try and, you know, go to Zelensky, see Zelensky or whatever. And I love I love Dan Aykroyd in this role. Like I love I love him in that like oh, Chicago accent. Like he, Chicago. That's peak 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 Dan Aykroyd. I just I love him so much. Uh, I like was like, does this suit make me look fat? Like, no, 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 your face does. Like, that is a line. I've used that line in so many times in my life. Go, go a little heavy with the pine fresh, pine, uh, pine air freshener. Right. That's okay. In the elevator, right? Congratulations, you pinpointed it. Step two is washing yeah, right. it off. Dan Aykroyd is so great in the oh. few moments that he has. I, I think about this role, and I think about, like, the um, gross point blank where he's yes, the hitman. He's the hitman. That is one of the best Dan Aykroyd roles that like nobody talks about. And it's like such an R-rated role too. Yeah, because like there I mean he I feel like Dan Aykroyd like there's almost a part for me where like Dan Aykroyd will almost always just be Ray Stance and he yeah. just somehow plays other roles. And so he's Yeah. Like, that's how we I think we want to that's what the Aykroyd we want to believe he yeah. is. But I feel like I feel like he's more like this person I, I, in a I way. Think, no, I think you're definitely right there. <laughs> like there's a little nasty streak to him a little bit. I make car parts for the American working man because that's who I am and that's <sighs> who I care about. I could listen to him do that accent all day long, all fucking day long. I love it. Uh, um, but yeah, I just wrote that note. Like I love Dan Aykroyd as Zelensky. This is the best. Um. Gosh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I do the fat guy a little. I, I wrote down that there's a ton of fat jokes in this movie, like, throughout the movie. Yes. 
There are so many fat jokes, even really subtle ones too, like where Julie is it Julie Warner uh, who plays yes, like, Julie Warner kind of plays like, Michelle. 90s 90s cutie sweetheart Julie Warner who I always think of like Doc Hollywood Doc Hollywood yep. I always think of her in that role um they're in the sailboat and like his side of the sailboat is just <laughs> sunk so they don't make note they don't reference it in any way but it's no, like a it's subtle just fat very joke visual, like, like, <laughs> yeah, it's a very going. visual fat joke quit playing with your dinghy yeah <laughs> and, but I but I just threw out the movie like I feel like a movie like this would never get made nowadays. Like, there's just such an insensitivity oh, fat to shaming, fat people, yeah. fat shaming. Yes, it, it's it's peak. Like, and they're funny too. But like, fat guy in little coat is so iconic. Oh, that was that. That, was, that is a movie. Like, when I think of like, you know, like you'll like watch the Oscar, like in memoriam, those types of things. Like yeah. that. That is like when Chris Farley died. I could totally see like in memoriam, like him, like kind of spinning in that yeah. coat oh yeah. i just that's chris farley like i'll always think of chris farley in the fat guy little coat and that didn't come from snl that came from this movie but i love too that there's like this like little moment of his i think david spade and his friendship kind of shine in that scene you know like you're yes. an idiot you know like he just kind of laughs and it's supposed to like soften the Richard character a bit like that's the point of the movie where like they become friends they're not really enemies anymore and you know like he just kind of breaks down and laughs and like I just feel like that's the window like you're, you're looking through a window of their real life friendship you know like Chris Farley would just do some dumb thing to make David Spade laugh and oh, that and had to be that was where it was an inside joke of theirs is it okay? Yeah, they okay, would, I, I don't know this. I don't that know was, this. That was that was because and because it was like their the rationale behind putting in the movie is that was something that he would do because I think he and and Spade shared an office when they for writing at Saturday Night Live, and when they would you know when they couldn't think of stuff or where they're sitting there and like that was oh, I didn't know that. See, I thought it was like well, you're right. I think it was he Farley and and. Um, um, Schneider. I think yeah. they all had a s- small space they shared. Yep. And and Farley would he would put on a he would do fat guy in a little coat, and they would. It was one of those things like they would always laugh at it, even if it didn't necessarily like help them break their writer's <laughs> block. Because they said okay. like, okay, you know, this is funny to us. Maybe yeah. it'll be funny to other people. Like we always right. laugh at this. We should totally put yeah. something. And I, okay, I love so that. So I'm totally an idiot. Like that was no, an no, SNL no, thing. Like, <laughs> no, I I think I think especially to what you were saying. Because it was it wasn't a Saturday Night Live thing because it, in in so much that like they were taking something that they did on Saturday Night Live and reproducing it, it was one of the things that really cemented that relationship. And I think to the point you were making, I think that's you know that is one of those pivotal moments in the movie where yeah. even the characters go from being you know adversaries to some degree to being yeah. friends. And I think it was because their relationship really translate translated from that. That yeah. I think that's why you know to to your point that moment is such a a refreshing moment because it does humanize the Richard character and <laughs> yeah. it endears the two of them more to each other, which is nice. I, really I love seeing tone. that. It's so sweet. It always makes me smile. And one one of the scenes that always makes me laugh out loud, like not many scenes in the movie genuinely make me laugh out loud anymore. But the part where they're like, it's like where. I think it's Farley's first attempt to try and sell 
and he's in he's in the office of the guy and he's got like the toy cars. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll say like, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And he's like the brake pads are failing and he's like, Oh my god And the car catches on fire and he goes, Here comes the meat wagon. Here comes the meat like, wagon. I love that part. It makes me laugh out loud every time. <laughs> I mean like you know, the uh what is it like the uh the corners over there. Oh my god! Oh my new god. guys in the he's corner. Like, he's like pantomiming out. like a cigar. And like, yes. Oh, it's so oh good. Oh my god! <laughs> Every bit of that had to be like improvised. Oh, and I, like it's on fire and it's just burning on his desk. <laughs> and Spade is just like got this expression of like, oh my like, god, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> that little puppet show back there. I had no idea that you were going to do that. <laughs> uh, like, I feel like he probably had no idea any of that was going to happen the way he responded. <laughs> burning alive. <laughs> oh. This is what will happen if you use the other guy's brake pads. <laughs> now let's find out what happens when you're using the other guy's brake pads. <laughs> Uh, I just found a lot of joy watching this movie. And uh, honestly, truly, I stopped taking notes like at one point in the movie. like Because it really just kind of... I don't want to say the last 20 minutes are boring, but like you're you're honestly just sort of really into the movie and compelled by what's happening. Yeah. Like Tommy's finding his footing. He's starting to make the sales. And then they have the pull part with... Um, Rob Lowe successfully, he tries to sabotage him for a while, yeah. and he finally is successful by putting in the wrong shipping dates and things. And, the, you know, the company goes broke. And, they, like, so, like, it all happens, like, so fast, but it's, you know, it's compelling and it works. It's fun. It's a fun movie. Yeah. Cause it's, it's almost like, I mean, cause they have two kind of separate plots running at the same time. Cause, like, if the story was just that, um, this factory was going to go under and Tommy needed, you know, Tommy was the one that had to save it. And, you know, and in the end, it's like, okay, if, if the, if the only kind of dilemma was that he had to get, you know, if the obstacle for him to overcome was to get good at selling, to find mm-hmm. that faith in him, to find, to find his inner big Tom and kind of, yeah. And he keeps up. messing up the, you know, like, yeah. you, you know, like the butcher's ass, like, yes, <laughs> it's gotta be your, it's gotta be your, no, wait, your ass. <laughs> and I love that so much. Cause he, he's <laughs> just flubbing that oh, so many times throughout the movie. It's, it's gotta be your bull. <laughs> and this and like, cause then he just has his little meltdown. Where like he's pulls his, I'm losing my mind. And the guy's just yeah. staring at him like, yes, are you okay, son? <laughs> and I'm like, and, and so it would, it would have been a compelling enough movie. Had the, had the problem just been that he needed to get out there and figure out how to sell these things. And right. he finally does. And they right. win and, and everything's happy and oh, happy ending. But it's like, they, they give you kind of this, and and it works like I'm I'm glad that it did because it it feels like if it had I'm like they were I think the cleverness of how Tommy comes together at the end mm-hmm. and how that works out I, yeah that pays off really well because I think if if it had been like a hair off it yeah. would have felt convoluted and like oh we yeah because I do like how he kind of stumbles upon his like right with the 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 chicken wings yeah. And you know, like, you know, there's the whole part where he's like, I, you know, like, 
the only reason they put guaranteed on the box because they know they're selling you a guaranteed piece of shit or yeah. whatever. Like that's it's a great it's great. It all Look, gets I can like come over to your spread. house and take a shit in a box and guarantee it. I got the time. I got time. Yeah. <laughs> it's Spades looking at him like, where are you going with this? <laughs> and then you're. I'm completely at your mercy right now. Like I, I'm just, I'm helpless. At this I, point. I love, I love that they revisit that guy later on towards the end when he's right. broadcasting. Like, yeah, hey, I, I bought break some brake pads, pads from that guy. Right, we were watching cartoons. Yeah, That felt like such an Adam Sandler scene. It was that was just so great because it was like he's just like laying on the couch, like taking a little nap, not paying attention. He's like, oh wait, the news is on. What? Yeah. Uh, but, and that 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 final act too, where like you know, like he pretends to strap the bomb on, and they go yes. in and they trick Zelensky, and like all all of that's like, it's so dumb, and it shouldn't have worked. Yeah, but it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. You know, it, like it's just that ridiculous. Like, Zelensky gets he gets Bo Derek at the end and everything. Uh, and it's funny too because like she really serves hardly any like she 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 doesn't do anything in this movie at all except look like Bo Derek. Yeah, she's there to walk out of the swimming pool once. She's only there for Tommy to be like that one funny line where he's like, "Dad, she's like a ten. She's like a ten. I was like, I was like, yeah, we saw that movie. Yeah, I was like I like it. Get it? Just, hey, remember that movie? Because it's almost yeah. like the Chris Farley show. I was like, hey, you remember remember when you were in that that, <laughs> right. that one movie? 10? It really is. It really is. <laughs> that was awesome. Dad, she's like a 10. Like that's she's in that movie for that like 80 yard like throwaway line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, son, that's for me. <laughs> so it really was, it was like what it, like this is uh but and even even when you go out to um some of the supporting supporting characters like that one guy uh when uh, they're they're at the wedding and uh, Richard's recording everything, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I love that guy. Oh, and they're, and like, they're commenting on his wife or whatever. Boy, I'd like to get a piece of that. Good lord! And the other guy goes, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, he goes, "Good lord!" <laughs> yeah, do you have an, an edit, edit button, button on that? that? Let me, <laughs> It'll cost, cost you. you. <laughs> oh, it's just that's a great line. That's a great. <laughs> And then, then I had totally forgotten about it, and I, it was just—it's such—it's such a random throwaway because there's no yes. other point in the movie. But nope. when they're in the boardroom, and, she, and that one old lady's like, "That's when the whores show." Oh, up. oh! I made a note about oh. her. She's great. It's just the whore old lady. Like, what oh. did I write? What did I write? Oh. I did make a note on her. Uh, where, where is it? Where is it? Oh, I wrote the old. "Quote unquote whore woman is awesome." <laughs> that's just that's like when the whores come in. <laughs> yes, that's when the whores show up. And then the and then her husband's like, "One time, I one like, time during the war, <laughs> I visited a prostitute." <laughs> she totally again. She reminds me of like she would totally play the grandma character yes. in an Adam Sandler movie. Oh, like, absolutely. That's who that. That's who she is. And and that's when the whores come in. Like, why would she even she be a part of this behinds? <laughs> She would never be in this meeting with the town. Look, who is this lady? And why is she here? Why is her husband here? Who are and that's, they? That's the thing she always says. Like everyone's like, "Oh, oh my god, god. Like, the horse." 
It's just she's a, just there to gatekeep the whores away. It's such a great little throw it because you never hear from her again. No, it's just never. that one moment, and it's like, <laughs> what is this? I did write that down that the whore oh. woman is awesome. <laughs> so there, uh, there were just so many of those, and like that was the thing is like, and it wasn't like you know people that you knew. It wasn't like oh, there's no. this huge cast of people. No, there, there was just it was great because they had common. You know, when towards the end when you have um, the guys being the the bank security being interviewed by the the news, it was like after he struck me many many times in the back of the head, <laughs> I started thinking yeah. to myself, I got kids. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give up here. Yeah, <laughs> there were just so many of those uh, little throwaway gags. And there really were when uh, when they're driving. Around. And that's that's a credit to the director. Like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, like to, for him to be able, to, like, for Peter Seagal, who really, I mean, he, I guess like he's mainly known for like Adam Sandler movies, right? No, no, I'm looking. Okay, he did. He directed Naked Gun, thirty three yeah, and a third, yep. and he did Get Smart. And oh, grudge match, but he also did Fifty First Date. So like, there is the Adam Sandler connection. Fifty First Date, Longest Yard, Anger Management. He did all yeah. those. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The reason he there's a real Adam Sandler touch touches yeah. in this movie. I feel like, and he did so multiple Tom Arnold specials. Interesting. Yeah, we're like, hey, this guy's really <laughs> invested in Tom Arnold's career. Yeah, I uh, mean, Tom Arnold could be great. I mean, like. In like True Lies, he was a really standout part True of True Lies movie. is definitively Tom Arnold's greatest. Yes, movie. I just yes. rewatched that recently. And oh, that movie he's so up. fun in that movie. Like it he, is such a great movie. Yeah, in most everything he's ever done, I'm like, ugh, he's on the coattails of Rose. Yes. It's so hard. But in that movie, he stands on his own. Like he really was good in that. James Cameron, get off your ass and give us a Blu-ray copy <laughs> of of uh, True Lies. I need it. Stop need dicking it. around and get that to us. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. He's Sign making a lot of it. Avatar movies is what he's doing. Yeah. Who makes more of these Avatar movies? How about you more just give, give what me What did you call them? Like Smurfs? <laughs> oh, you, whatever you called them yeah. like a couple episodes ago made me laugh so hard. <laughs> just, I'm digging it, man. I'm, I'm ready for these Smurf movies. I love the Avatar. <laughs> just get Neil Patrick Harris in there and- Oh look, they're the smart. Oh, we need to. Hey, hey! If he wants to be, if he wants to 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 act against the Smurfs, he could do that again. I'm okay with that. What was that? Oh Jesus Christ! What else? We we got to bring this episode to a close. <laughs> we really do. I mean, is there anything else about Tommy Boy that have we have not touched upon that you would like I, to talk about? I don't. I think we. I think we've covered everybody in the cast. We've covered. I think we've covered pretty much. Oh, the the um uh, the other I think the only other joke that I was thinking of, um, is the, uh, the throwaway where um they they go to get pulled over, and they uh oh the bees, the bees. <laughs> yeah I'm allergic me too you guys uh, just call us later let us know that you're okay right I'm allergic to bees the the only other like joke that like or the gag that makes me laugh always too and I use it as like what did you do when he like yes. he destroys the door of his car that's uh, really funny <laughs> when they get into the fight and he hits him with a two by four <laughs> Ooh, it hurts forest. here and here not so much here and here but right here <laughs> God, what happened to your face I told you Richard. Him's just a little guy. He's scared. Mommy, the rhino's getting too close to the car. <laughs> They're uh, back and forth. Such a fun movie. So yeah. quotable. The only other note that I had, too, is like I love the way this movie was filmed. 
I really like how they they seem to capture like Midwest spirit. Yes. Of of Sandusky, Ohio. Um, yes. Just in in the in the town of Sandusky, like especially in the funeral scene where Tommy's walking home, and there's that beautiful shot of like all the the it's like fall and the yeah, leaves are the, turning the, colors. Yeah. I lo- I love that. I and love all of the like. Mm-hmm. It's really it's. It, I love how they capture like in the scenes where they're like in the lake and all that stuff. It's really good stuff. Um, but that that's really all the only notes that I took. I mean, we we accomplished. I think what we both wanted to get oh, out yeah. of this. You know, we we talked about Chris Farley and the genius of Chris Farley and the what could have been's and you know what it actually was and you know some of our favorite parts of the movie. But that I mean, yeah. I don't think we really need to go any further. I think no, that's, I. I would have loved to see because I, I I envision Farley kind of following a similar. I mean, um, Sandler has helped continue to carry some of the guy. I mean, it's I mean like what was it? Uh, it's been a little while now, but I mean there was that email leak from Sony where even some of the executives like is all we do just push out bullshit Sandler movies now? Is that just mm-hmm. what? Is, that's yeah, what Sandler do, so. signed that huge deal yeah. with Sony and he. It was. It was just a lot of Chris. It was just a lot of Adam Sandler movies, really. And, and it was just you know, most of his movies were like him. And for a time, like, that was a big deal, you yeah. Know? But then, and then it came a point where it was just like, ugh, this is just a bunch of Adam Sandler and his friends making bullshit, you know, <laughs> which and I always enjoyed. Honestly, I, I like, think most that, of the time I did. Yeah, I think it was like because in the times when when uh, when he tried to do other stuff, it's like oh, I don't know if I really like this. It was like it just yeah. Sandler. I mean, I'm fine with it. Go ahead, you know, make your movies, but. I mean, even in like the worst, like I mean, Jack and Jill is like a lot of shit, but I mean, there's some funny stuff in there, like Al Pacino and doing his like little. I have like, not watched that one. That was one of the ones that I was. Like, <laughs> it's it's bad. It's bad, but honestly, there's some funny stuff in there. There's a few, and then there's the movie. There was this, there was the one where he did like the third Drew Barrymore movie, like wasn't very entertaining. Where they go like to Africa or whatever, like that movie was a stretch. He's. I'm glad he's kind of sort of like. I mean, I. I I think we may have mentioned went back at, at Halloween time the Hubie Halloween, which is a great movie. That was a, it's fun. A lot of fun. It feels like it really feels like an old, yeah. You know, like when you see that Happy Madison production, it makes you feel imagery. Good. It does. It makes you feel good. Like you, you know what you're getting in for. In life. But it, and I know like a lot of people hate it on Pixels, but that that was a fun movie too. Like I like that. I uh, like I I rem- for whatever reason I remember when I first watched watched it for some reason. Uh, either being unimpressed or just it wasn't that I didn't like it it was just like it didn't strike me as like oh this is a great movie and then mm-hmm. I just got it was uh, it was towards the end of last year I got the itch where I was like I want to watch Pixels again so I went and I picked it up and I watched it I was like this movie's fantastic why did I what, yeah whatever I don't I know think I, I think there was just a lot of expectations that went yeah. into that movie uh, and it honestly like I enjoyed it when I went to see it I mean, for for a lot of obvious reasons, like I love I love like the arcade aesthetic, and you know, like anytime like Sandler goes back to the late late seventies, early eighties when yeah. he does like the child, like I enjoy all of that. Um, but I mean, it is it's like him trying really hard, and Josh Gad, like he's funny in that, and you got like of course Peter Dinklage is yes. master like the master blaster guy, master whatever. Blaster. He's, he's such a douche, <laughs> such a douche, is, but so fun. <laughs> I, I just enjoy it. It's a fun little Serena watch. Williams and Martha Stewart. <laughs> uh. Yes, but yeah, and like, he got him. He got him. I I just. But I, I mean, like, if if you're a studio that's like banking on him, you know, you I could see how you might be frustrated with like an output of like Pixel because or Pixels because it, it 
it's it very much an, no it didn't it didn't but it it, it, it wasn't supposed to like yeah. that's not you you can't you can't depend on him to be like your four hundred million dollar blockbuster guy. I mean, even if you do yeah. dress it up with a bunch of special effects, you're still going to get a Happy Madison production. <laughs> like, I mean, seriously. Well, and because like when you go back and you look at, I mean, like when you think about Tommy Boy and how, I mean, like if you were to walk down the street and talk to a hundred people, and you know, if you were like wearing a Tommy Boy shirt, I mean, even if you weren't like addressing people, like Tommy Boy is one of those movies. I feel like. 80 percent or more of the population has some sense of just you know camaraderie because we all loved Tommy Boy. I yeah, like, I would think if you pulled a hundred people, at least ninety percent would have a fondness for Tommy yeah. Boy. And because uh, it is, it it didn't make a ton of money in the box no. office, but it was one of those like well loved on VHS yeah. and DVD like type movies. Because it's not even a cult following; it's just like everybody just loves Tommy Boy. I mean, it's like yeah. everybody loves Farley. And this is quintessential yeah. Farley. And so it's like, it does make me wonder, like, you know, how how would Farley have integrated into a sitcom like David Spade did on Just Shoot Me? How would he have, you know, come along? How would Sandler have helped prop him up or help him grow or change as a I comedian? think we'll never know because of the destructiveness of his personality. Yeah. Like Which what we know of Chris Farley now sucks. after he's dead. Yeah, his just his psyche and things like it just never would have worked. Yeah. Which it's too bad cuz I think in given the proper pay like if you had if you had just the right amount of people that knew, could work with him and wrangle him and you could have got a season or two of some really great material with, oh, with yeah. Farley. Uh but I I can imagine it would be really exhausting working with that guy. Yeah. You know, cuz he is like a man child. I mean, really what you see is what kind of what you get with yeah. Chris Farley. So, you know, it, it, it's too bad. It's too bad that he didn't have more like a John Candy career. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we did get Tommy Boy, so we get, should at least be thankful for that. Yeah. And it, it's a great way to, you know, it's a great way to kick off our April, month of April, Fool's movies. Uh, and I guess at this point of the podcast, I could reveal what my pick's going to be. My revelation. Yeah, and it's it's it it's it's fitting since we've mentioned this guy a, num- a number of times in this episode, Adam Sandler. Uh, I'd like to talk about Billy Madison. That's yes. going to be my first Fools movie. Uh, I it it I hadn't watched Billy Madison in some time, and I've watched it like two or three times in the last month, and I just love that movie. Like it, it's so fun. So I'm looking forward to talking about Billy Madison in our next episode uh, of April Fools. That's fantastic. All right, man. Well, good. Well done. Well done on this episode. We did it. And uh, we did it. We made it. We're back. Yes. <laughs> you got us back for better, or for worse, for the next couple of weeks. And then uh, I, I think I don't want to reveal anything, but I think we're both thinking like we're gonna have a, a special, regionally specific <laughs> month of movies coming up. After we we DC. just might. We just, we just might. might. We just might. And I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm already, already looking forward to that, even though we have three more movies to choose from. So, Anyways, Billy Madison is what you got to look forward to next time. And uh, for the Cinemasters, I've been one of your hosts, Ron Evis. I've been your other host, Adam Peterson. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Yeah.